Donald Trump has been indicted. This makes him the first former U.S. president in history to be indicted on federal charges. The only indictment that should be coming down is against President Biden for whatever he was doing as vice president. I don't think Joe Biden thinks he can beat Donald Trump, so he's got to destroy him. This is election interference. If you get in the way of the Democratic Party, they will target you, they will come after you, and they will try and destroy your life. Donald Trump now moving forward with his campaign, not letting this indictment slow him down. Never before have the two standards of justice in our country been more so. But they will fail and we will win bigger and better than ever before. <laughs> when you arrest your leading political opponent, we no longer have a democracy. They want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. They're not coming after me, they're coming after you, and I just happen to be standing in their way and I will never be moving. Yes! Our wonderful president, that's his most recent ad. Okay, hey, patriots, I hope you guys are having a great day. Today is June 19th, and I am going to help. <laughs> we're going to get through this Durham report. <laughs> we're going to get through it today. We're going to knock this thing right out because uh, Durham is going to be at the um, uh, speaking in Congress on Wednesday. So we've got to get ready for that, get ready and really uh get steeped in all this information. If you haven't seen them already, I have uh, Durham for Dummies number one. Let me see if I, on my, on my rumble. Okay. So it's, um, and on my bit shoot, uh, Durham for Dummies number one, which was done right there, May 21st. Then I've got uh, Durham for Dummies number two on May 28th. And then we knocked a big of it out on, um, on the 18th, <laughs> it took me a while to get back on it, uh, but I did because I'm like, the time is running out. <clears throat> so it's um, Durham for Dummies 3. So this is Durham for Dummies 4. We're going to knock it out. Please, Lord, help us. This is a this is my website, freedomforce.live. If you guys are new, we look at all this in the light of God's word because this is biblical. There's no doubt about it. Like he said, we're they're going to lose and we're going to win, and that's what it is. That's why we're awake now. If you're new, and uh, you definitely check out my channel where I talk about how this is end times for them and a thousand years of peace for us, and I'm right. <laughs> I don't care who comes and says it's, I'm not right because I I know Revelation now. I understand it. it. It makes perfectly good sense. This is the Great Awakening. We're fighting this battle. We're going to cast them out, have a thousand years of peace. Yeah, this is where it says that a bunch of you guys have not read the report. So you're many of you were saying how you're glad that I am doing it for you and making it uh, where we can we can all do it together. Um, here is the report. If you want to go and see justice.gov slash storage slash Durham report dot PDF. Um, if you want to go and read it for yourself or, and follow along. Okay, so the players today, we've got Durham, of course, of course, who's, uh, who's bringing the heat because, um, yes, he didn't bring indictments, but we're going to talk about that today, and he's going to explain why and the changes that need to be made. All right, so this is uh, Glenn Simpson over at Fusion GPS, along with his cronies who were using their uh, their resources, the Democrat Party, all these different ones to attack uh, President Trump. I'm going to show you that. So that's Glenn Simpson right there. This uh, guy right here is Mark Elias. He worked for, he's been fired now, but worked for Perkins Coie. 
uh, the law firm that was, uh, and he's he does a lot of nefarious things. Mark Elias, E L I A S. He is always doing something to for election fraud or doing something to 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 take away our rights. And so he was trying to work to make sure that he was the liaison between Fusion GPS and Hillary. He was the one who was uh, uh, kind of getting the plan of what Hillary wanted to do. Okay, Hillary. Uh, Rodham Clinton. And then uh, here is Rodney Jaffe. We're going to talk today about the Alpha Bank and uh, the, the uh, financial, uh, um, uh, I'm not sorry, not the financial, the, the, the internet baloney that was going on. And Rodney Jaffe was behind that. And he purports himself to be a cybersecurity expert, but he's not. I'm going to read to you a portion of that. We're also going to talk about this Yoda phone. And basically that's a, a, a phone that is supposed to be protected from being able to be um, hacked and um, listened to. And, you know, for example, if you've got a Verizon phone, clearly Verizon could listen in on your call. So a Yoda phone is is supposed to be able to avoid that. And they were saying, oh, well, uh, Yoda phones, um, Trump has Yoda phones. And so he's maybe going over near the White House and listening to, you know, so that's what that's really about, Yoda phone. And then uh, we're going to talk about DNSA record. Basically, that's really we're going to get to that when we talk about uh, the Jaffe stuff. Just making sure that you know what a what an A record is. A stands for address, and this is the most fundamental type of DNS record. So basically, on if you have a, a whatever whatever transactions, whatever um, whatever data is being sent over the internet, that most of it goes into this A record, and it, you know that was not taken that was not uh, collected by Jaffe because they were trying to, to or if it had been they they removed that because they were just trying to look at specific data that would potentially you know throw dirt on President Trump so anyway when we get to that I'll I'll remind you of that but they basically that's uh anyone who is a uh, truly a cybersecurity expert knows that if you don't have the A record, which is where the bulk of the data goes, then some it's fishy. <laughs> okay. So we're also going to talk a little bit about these, these, uh, uh, congressman who got their little hands involved, and they're in the report, Jack Reed, uh, the U.S. Senator from Rhode Island, and also Mark Warner, you probably heard of him, a U.S. Senator from Virginia. He had to get his little grimy nose into it. And then Tom Daschle, and uh, he hasn't been in, in for a while, but he's got a, uh, a firm that does uh, opposition research, and he wanted to get involved so he could help to find dirt on President Trump. So they, they brought... You know, lots of different hands on deck. Plus, they brought in the House Permanent Select Committee. That turned into a pretty big firestorm because it had to do with shifty shift. Okay, we're going to get to that here in just a second. But um, that uh, when we talk about HPSCI, that's the House Permanent Select Committee, basically that they have a lot of power to, to look into some of these things. So they were doing that. Um, and also DARPA, which is another... Uh, you know, research projects agency, basically researching their political opponents. That's what DARPA is is doing, uh, unfortunately, not what it was intended for, which we are finding that all the agencies, maybe they're doing some good things, but they're also primarily 
uh, a way to do some of their very, very bad things, as well as the DHS, Department of Homeland Security, which is just a way that from 9-11 that they started this thing to get spy on American citizens. All right, so I think that's everything. We're going to talk about Papadopoulos today, and that's pretty much where we're going to get started. And, of course, we talked about Sussman the other day, and he's going to come up a little bit today, too, because this is a killer. This is a killer, but we're going to get it done. Um, We'll talk a little bit about red teaming. Red teaming is where you are basically trying to say, um, let's, this gets more toward at the end. Um, I probably shouldn't even bring that up right now, but basically where you, you need to get people in here who are not all in the same, on the same page. We need to have different people who will, who will think about these things in a way that, like a like playing devil's advocate and not and poke holes in someone's argument and say no that doesn't make sense so so it's not all everyone on the same uh, page of get Trump basically all right so here we go y'all ready all right so this is on page two thirteen um, this is where they started to go after the Trump senior foreign policy advisor don't know exactly who this person is they're not even identified I don't think in this Durham report but they're basically looking for a crime and they're trying to find out if um, uh, if it you know, you know as a, a CHS so confidential human source is pretending to be their friend a chs is pretending to be their friend and they're then they're getting trying to get dirt trying to you know go on a fishing expedition see if they can uh, get them to admit to a crime and so they're looking for this crime as to as to whether let me see if i can make this bigger and yeah come on okay now there you go namely whether there was evidence of collusion between russian officials and persons associated with the trump campaign and so they didn't bite they didn't take the bait. You know, never they never did take the bait on any of this. You've got all these people trying to take get them to take the bait, but if there's no <laughs> there's no fish, there's the, there's nothing to bite on. Um so it says uh, you have all these uh you have all this WikiLeaks. Remember back in the day, the WikiLeaks came out and they were saying that this was from Russia and this must have been what, you know, Trump w- was getting all this information from Russia. Well, it wasn't Russian information. It was really her her emails, but either way, um yeah, so they're saying that the the State Department has to produce that the emails. That's a big deal. But then they said, well, you know what? You know, the, we're, it's the average voter. There's no connection. You know, the, the average voter isn't even aware of the WikiLeaks. They, uh, the average voter that we're trying to get to, because this is the person is you know involved in the campaign. They're like, they don't really care about WikiLeaks. You and I care about WikiLeaks because they're like, oh my gosh, this is what they're doing. These people are evil and you know look what they're doing with the you know at the white house and the hot dogs and all that and you know how they're involved in all this corruption and the child trafficking but for the average voter as we very well know we've been trying to get people to wake up to this most people are not awake to that and so they were not trying to reach people who cared about wikileaks they're trying to run a campaign okay so they were not even that was not even a People weren't connecting on that, so they weren't even focused on that. And so Clinton was worried about that and the emails, but most people didn't even know what the emails were. They just basically listened to what the mainstream media said and 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 didn't go any farther and read them for themselves. Um, the WikiLeaks disclosures believed to have been facilitated by the Russian intelligence services. Intrusions into DNC computers were mentioned in all four FISA applications. Like, because, oh, mean, mean Trump is, is working with the Russians and they're exposing the, you know, these, these WikiLeaks, which were real anyway. So they're blaming it on Russia, but okay. So the bottom line, this, uh, this, uh, 
Trump advisor didn't bite on the bait that they were involved with Russia, number one. Then you get into, remember I was just showing you Papadopoulos. Um, so Papadopoulos, they're trying to go after Papadopoulos with this confidential human source. And he's, again, saying, you know, he doesn't know anything about any of this. Um, at no time during this conversation did Papadopoulos mention anything that supports being provided by Russia as the Trump campaign. Uh, to the to the Trump campaign, even when the discussion turned to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, and then at one point farther down, he says, um, "Well, as a campaign, of course, we don't advocate right here, uh, advocate for this type of activity because at the end of the day, it's illegal, <laughs> and first and foremost, it compromises national security, and third of all, it sets a very pre- bad precedence. Precedent." I think is what he meant to say. But anyway, um, so, you know, he didn't bite on them doing illegal activity. And the crazy thing is Hillary, through that Mark Elias guy, is saying, find out what, what kind of illegal activities they're doing. Well, the thing is, that's you, Hillary. You're the one who's doing illegal activities, not us. They, they weren't, they really, truly weren't. And, and Papadopoulos wasn't involved in any of this. He says it's illegal. We're not going to do that. And here he says, it's, you know, uh, at one point he says it'd be crazy to do. It's espionage. It's treason. Okay? So he's, he's I'm not part of, uh, you know, participating. And he said, even when President Trump said, Russia, are you listening? You know, that was in one of his speeches. You know, it was just, they took that and like, look, he's talking to Russia. He's like, no, he's just, you know, that was just him talking in a, in a campaign, whatever. Um, anyway, he says it, it's illegal. Uh, as far as I understand, no one is collaborating with Russia. There's been no collusion, and it's going to be uh, to remain that way. Okay, in fact, he stated three times that such activity would be illegal. Did that go into the FISA reports? No. It did not. All right, so then here he says um, they assessed an uh, as opposite. Okay, they said after all he said, and I don't know if that's, this page is on here. Maybe it is. At one point he said there would be, someone would be mental if they were going to do some of this, and I don't know if I got that page. But at one point he said they would be, you know, psychotic to try to do such a thing as that. You know, it's, it's you know, clearly that was not what he would be interested in doing. Um, so this is on page 221. He said such a, um, assistance from Russia would be illegal. Um, the FBI chose, though, to discount this information and assessed it to mean the opposite of what he really said. So it really doesn't matter what you say. They're going to want to twist it and say, well, he was, this was rehearsed. Uh, look at here. It says, uh, Russia, uh, subsequent per- publication of certain DNC emails as being rehear- weird, wrote, canned, rehearsed. He was just saying this because someone told him, if ever someone asked you, this is what you're supposed to say. Okay. That's, that's how they, how they framed it. Um, yeah, that they were just trying to frame it as <laughs> instead of exonerating him and being excul- uh, exculpatory, which takes away his, any, reason that they would think he would be guilty of anything instead of that they're like oh he just said that because it was rehearsed (laughs) if you've ever been in an argument with someone and they and you're just trying to tell the truth and then they say well you're just you're just doing the talking points you're like no i'm just telling you this stuff because it's true you know how aggravating it can be anyway and so they said um the this possible connection between trump campaign and the russians was curious 
so much as there was a consensus view that Papadopoulos' response must have been rehearsed and therefore is not authentic. Okay, so they just discounted everything he would have to say, even though he's not even in a, like a, being, being interrogated. He's just talking with someone who thinks, who he thinks is his friend. So awful to do that to someone. All right, so here is on page 222. Um, so they... Uh, importantly, these exculpatory statements were made by Papadopoulos more than a month before the page application was submitted to the, uh, to the FISA court. Thus, at the time Papadopoulos made the recording statements, the Crossfire Hurricane investigations, uh, investigators were actively involved in drafting that application. Thus, so what, what they say, what Durham says, is an opportunity was potentially missed. Uh, it was potentially to resolve any underlying national security concern was missed. Well, it was missed on purpose because they're not looking for a way to uh, to to find him him not guilty. They're trying to find drum up some way that they can get dirt to throw into the FISA application. Okay, that's what he's saying. They're in the middle of of interviewing him or talking with him as a, as pretending like they're their friend. They're his, his friend and. All the while, they're just using this to try to get some dirt to throw into the FISA application to get so they can uh, continue to spy on Page. And so, but Durham is looking at it as, well, then you missed this opportunity to clear this man's name. They didn't want to do that, which was clear from the Durham report. Okay, that's, I guess, my main point. Um, then they were the involvement in criminal activity. So they, the, the FISA, um, the page FISA initiation approaches the use, the issue of Page's involvement in criminal activity in a manner consistent with the FISA's legislative history. Um, basically, where they're trying to find, they should be trying to find probable cause. And we're going to talk more about that at the end. That we, that the whole point, before you start doing this huge investigation, you need to have probable cause that there's something that they've done wrong, not go on a fishing expedition. Okay, um, as the activities discussed herein involve Page aiding and abetting or conspiring with Russian government officials and elements of the Russian intelligence service in class clandestine intelligence activities, the FBI submits that there is probable cause to believe that such activities involve or are about to be uh, to involve violations of the criminal statutes of the U.S., including 18 U.S.C. blah blah blah. So, but it, none of it did. They didn't have probable cause in any of these cases. So now when they go through all this, they've gone through, Durham has gone through all the things that they did to Page, all that they did to the um, the uh, Trump advisor, high security person advisor, as well as Papadopoulos. He's saying, okay, is there any way that I can prosecute these people for what they have done to Page and Papadopoulos and this, this advisor? In light of the foregoing, the special counsel, uh, special counsel carefully reviewed and analyzed the evidence related to Klein Smith, to the statements made by the FBI regarding to the uh, regarding the Steele reports, regarding the receipt and the dissemination of the Steele reports, the Yahoo Art News article. Remember, we talked about that on the last video. The use of the Steele reports in the FISA applications, Igor Danchenko, and the recordings of Page, and 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 these other two. And basically, they said. <laughs> basically what they ended up saying that there was no, he said, there's no, uh, credible admissible evidence that could bring, could allow him to bring a charge. Doesn't it sound just like Comey? It's like they never use any date, any of the data they found. They say, Oh, well, it's not admissible in court. So we can't bring a charge against any of these people. 
They have it so locked down that the FBI can do anything and CIA can do anything to us and, and always get out scot-free. Okay. It's very, very aggravating. All right. So the next thing is on page 232. Um, this is where Klein Smith, this goes into more detail about what Kleinsmith had done, and so he had how he had changed the email, and so he was saying about how he can we prosecute Kleinsmith? Well, uh, yes, he altered that email. He was not uh, he was not certain how the alteration occurred, but subsequently acknowledged that he made the change. At first, he tried to lie and get out of it, but then he had to admit that he did it. The seriousness of Kleinsmith's conduct is highlighted in the F, uh, the FISA court's reiteration of the fact that the government has heightened duty of candor, of honesty, to the FISA court in ex parte proceedings. Candor is important, he keeps saying. It's fundamental. The office charged, uh, back in uh, August 2020, they charged Kleinsmith for the, with a felony offense for doing this, for changing the word to say that, that Page was not a source when he actually was a source for the OGI. He did work with the OGI. He did uh, provide information to them, and they, they had him on their, their kind of their payroll as, as one of these people. That's why he, would all, he was talking to the Russians, and he kept that away from the FISA judge that they wouldn't know. And so he got in trouble for doing that because that was an important piece of information for them to know. And so it was a felony of making false statements in violation of 18 U.S.C. He pleaded guilty to this one count, and it appears uh, um, that he had political or personal bias in this, in this situation. This is on page 232. And then on 233, he, they were like asking him, um, do you rethink your commitment to fighting the Trump administration? And he said, hell no, viva la resistance. He says, continue to resist. He thinks it's great because you know why? He's not worried about the felony because he, I don't know if he spent one day in jail and now he's ending up, has this cushy, uh, cushy position. He's like, let the good times roll. Let's keep doing our lives and let's keep, he cares nothing about, about what's true or about the commandment of the Lord that says, you know, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. He cares nothing about Paige. He cares nothing about the law. He cares nothing about the Lord. He cares nothing about uh, you know, just doing the right thing. It's aggravating. Anyway, so then statements made by the FBI regarding the Steele reporting. Can we charge him on any of that? Um, but Steele refused to be interviewed. How, how, how lovely is that? I'm thinking that they're going to talk about that when he goes up before Congress. You know, these, most of these people who were guilty of, of, you know, that you could, you know, hold them to an account, they wouldn't be interviewed. They refused to be interviewed. So he, for one reason or another, didn't have the ability to do that. So I, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that Durham has a list of things that he needs authorization to do to force these people to subpoena them to say, we are, we need you to answer these, these questions and we, to, so we can get to the bottom of some of this. I don't know. I'm just saying they're going to be talking about something uh, when they go, you know, I'm thinking he has something to say and, and, and and I'm thinking that one of the congressmen should say, we want you to be able to get to the bottom of some of these things where people weren't, uh, didn't come forward and uh, get interviewed voluntarily. We need to force them to get a straight answer. Because when they do force them to get a straight answer, it turns out, just like with Kleinsmith, that they had been 
line. Okay, so um, it says supposedly Steele, uh, let's see, Steele believed and he passed on the good intel. Let me see what that was about. Um, Steele told the FBI, among other things, his understanding of Danchenko's subsources. So they keep it compartmentalized. So he he thought that Danchenko was telling him what was real intel instead of something that had been made up. If you didn't see that, that's on Durham for Dummies number three. Uh, for instance, with respect to Callaghan's allegations, Steele told the FBI that Danchenko learned of Callaghan being recalled to Moscow after he randomly bumped into Callaghan on the street. So he thought that that was true, but it turned out it was not true, but Steele likely believed that this source. The problem is the guy was a known liar. Also, Steele told the FBI that Danchenko had personally met with, with Sergei Milion. Remember Milion from the last video? And, and, and then Danchenko never corrected him on the matter. So this man, they were like, well, he's been misled, so we can't really hold him to an account. Uh, they said there's insufficient evidence to warrant bringing a charge against Steele because he was just believing what the source told him. Okay? See what I'm saying? So you see how th this is a very tangled mess. And how do you solve it? Okay? They, they've been doing this for a long time. And, and uh, they know exactly how to, to get away with doing all this. All right. So we're, we're going to have to solve it. <laughs> Don't exactly know how, but we're going to talk about that here, here in a second, what Durham said. Um, all this failed memories, inconsistent versions of events. Oh, I don't remember. You can drive a bus through this thing of I don't remember. The evidence gathered was not sufficient to prove at trial that any FBI personnel intentionally violated any criminal statutes in relation to the transmittal of the Steele reports, nor was there sufficient evidence to establish that any FBI personnel intentionally lied during their interviews. So they're like, we can't bring a case because it would not hold up in court because they would say, well, I don't know, and all that. Okay. Then on the on the Yahoo News article, can we hold that person accountable? Um, so let me see if I can see. What, where, I think that's on the next page. Okay. So basically, no. <laughs> no, we're not, we can't hold him accountable e either. Um, they had said, well, the department had trouble squaring this assessment with the plain reading of the Yahoo News article, which stated that a well-placed Western intelligence source had provided the information to Yahoo News. So they're like, who who provided this to you? Well, that was a big bone of contention. Was it Steele or was it or was it Glenn Simpson? Well, they ended up saying it was it was Glenn Simpson over at Fusion GPS, which Durham believes it was it was Steele. But they there's enough hemming and hawing there that you really, if you can't really know who, who released this information because they don't have it in writing, then therefore, you know, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a quandary to hold someone's feet to the fire. Okay. So then, um, back on the, the Yahoo news report, the FBI conduct conduct concerning the Yahoo news article is extremely troubling. He keeps talking about curious and troubling and troubles, you know, all this troubling. Um, the office is left to speculate the FBI's unfounded assessment of the Yahoo News information was driven by the pressure emanating from the FBI headquarters executives to commence F uh, FISA surveillance of Page. So they're trying, they're saying, they're, the people at the top are telling us we've got to get this something to put in this FISA application. So that was what forced them. That's another thing that needs to be solved. Don't have this political witch hunt. It's forcing people to do things that 
that are are wrong, okay? So, and then they feel like they've got cover if they do. Because the, the basically, the, the people who are there, many, many, many of them are Trump haters anyway. And they would want to do this anyway. And when they feel the pressure from the top, like wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, Winking, blinking, and not like, hey, just, just get, just do this, and don't ask. Okay, so that's that. You see that over and over and over that they say, don't ask, don't tell. We just don't want this information because then we'll, you know, don't, and certainly don't write it down. Okay, anything that you do that's that's wrong. So the use of the steel reports in the FISA applications on that portion, can you hold them to account on that? And he says, this is where I was saying yesterday, not a single substantive allegation contained in the reports has been corroborated in any meaningful way. They can't, you know, nothing was corroborated. Nothing. Not one single substantive allegation. Not, not even one. It's all a bunch of baloney. And so the thing is, can you hold someone to account for that? Okay, again, this one's on page 235. Let's see if I can, 236. Okay, so the, here was a big, you know, it caused a war. It says war, uh, by the way, of the FBI. The allegations in those reports and used in the FISA application were not mere ancillary facts that supported substantial allegations. Rather, they contained extremely serious and shocking allegations to the effect that the Kremlin was supplying the Trump campaign with compromising information on Hillary Clinton, that Page was an advisor to the Trump campaign and was actively engaged in Russian officials to discuss the lifting of sanctions against Russia as well as the sharing of compromising information on Hillary Clinton, that Page was serving as an intermediary between Trump campaign manager Manafort and Russian officials in what the Steele reports described as a well-developed conspiracy of cooperation, and that Russia had released hacked DNC emails to WikiLeaks, an idea allegedly conceived of by Page. Again, at this time, these serious allegations were put in the FISA applications, and the FBI had not corroborated any of these claims. That's on page uh, 236. All these shocking allegations... Not one had been corroborated. And then it says, look at this. <laughs> All my little arrows. While undoubtedly the past performance of a source is an important factor in determining the reliability of information, surely establishing probable cause to accuse a U.S. person to say nothing of U.S. presidential campaign advisor with colluding with a foreign adversary requires at minimum some degree, degree of independent corroboration. You can't just make something out of whole cloth. You have to have corroborating evidence before you start some the full investigation of like this. This is what the um, what Durham said. Even they offered Steele a million dollars for such corroboration. Even with a million dollars, he couldn't come up with any corroboration. And they were paying the the, fun, uh, the, the confidential human source more than two hundred twenty thousand dollars. That's why these people are going to Steele. They're going to the to the Trump advisor person, whoever that was, they didn't name, uh, to go into Page and trying over and over and over to try to get some kind of corroborating evidence, paying, getting paid a, a, a lot of money, and then being offered a million dollars. Couldn't get it at any price. They couldn't do it. <laughs> That's all in the Durham report. All right, so page 237, um, and then there. The, the dossier was leaked to the public, so that means even more pressure on them. Um, 
they're like, you didn't use this, this, the flimsy evidence, did you, <laughs> that we saw in the Yahoo, uh, the Yahoo News article, did you? And they thought, well, when they would do all this investigation, that it would self-corroborate, that this witch hunt, they would finally, they would finally get some, some dirt when they, that's not the way you do it. That's not the way you do it. And so, um, although the evidence assembled by the office may have been sufficient to meet a negligence standard, Maybe they were negligent. In order to prove a criminal violation of Page's civil rights, the government would be required to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that one or more persons acted intentionally to violate his rights. Does that sound right to you guys? To prove intent? I don't know. That's, that's what the law says. And it sounds like what needs to seriously change. Okay. They couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt. So they said, well, you know, we can't bring charges if we can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this person did this intentionally. Okay, so then you got Igor Denchenko. Um, they did charge him on five counts of making false statements to the media and, and um, I'm sorry, not to the media. Hang on, on the right page, 237. Okay, so he, he was charged and he was found guilty of five, uh, five counts of lying to the FBI. Okay, so that was... That was good. I, I imagine he, I don't even know what, if anything happened to him. It didn't go into it in the Durham report. But um, also that he, he went to the, the Ritz and brought up all this horrible stuff about the Ritz. Can we bring him on any charges about what he said about President Trump at the, the Ritz-Carlton? Okay. And uh, um, Danchenko's advice that he attached multiple sources to information and obscure one's own role as a source for information was consistent with Danchenko's alleged false statements in which he denied or fabricated the roles of service of sources in the Steele reports. It's as much as possible you would keep people's name out of it. And so then that, you know, brought them a lot of cover. And so all of this, he said, the court ruled, however, the evidence described above was inadmissible inadmissible at court. The prosecution was forced then to proceed without the benefit of what it believed in good faith was, was powerful, admissible evidence under Rule 404B of the Federal Rules of Evidence. How lovely. He was trying to hold Danchenko's feet to the fire what he, for what he did, and they, he wasn't able to because they said, oh, well, that's inadmissible. All that he had done to President Trump. It's outrageous. Who is going to run for political office in this type of situation? And then the legality of Danchenko's visa arrangement, that whole thing, but no specific, uh, specified unlawful activity could be proven. Okay. So <laughs> more and more, it's like, don't, don't lose hope. You guys, President Trump's going to fix all this stuff. Um, now, Page did not provide any specific details to refute, dispel, or clarify the media reporting. I talked about that yesterday uh, on the last one of where we, the Durham report, um, Durham for Dummies number three, that Page went for five different interviews, and they still, after everything he would say, he would have a PowerPoint presentation, he was doing everything he could to clear his name, but they're like, he didn't provide specific details to refute, dispel, or clarify the media reporting. He made vague statements that minimized his activities. And it's like, what more could he say? Write an encyclopedia to do it? And so it would never be enough for these people. These multiple explicit denials to the, to the confidential human source were not included in the FISA. And that's what he's going to say at the end is you've got to have those things have got to be included. And, and basically, he's, 
at one point he's going to say, put a yes or no. Did the, are there any statements that the that this person had that would be exculp, exculpatory, that would show that they were not guilty? And you've got to say yes or no. And if you say no on some of that stuff, and it, and they did, then that's your job. Okay, that's that's just one possible solution to this. Okay, um, again with the the intent, this is going to make you crazy. I keep reading. I'll keep reading this thing because in every case, it's like the same thing. While the evidence is simple, by the office may have been sufficient to meet a negligence standard in order to provide uh, to prove a criminal violation of Page's civil rights, the government would be required to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that one or more persons acted intentionally to violate those rights. While in our judgment. What, in our judgment, would be the admissible evidence in such a prosecution did not meet that standard. The standard, the bar is set too high. It's like to try, you have to go to the moon to be able to hold someone to an account, is what it's looking like. In addition, in order to prove a false statement or perjury, such a prosecution would have to rest largely on, on what is not provable. Affirmative false statement, but rather on material omissions. The reliance of the investigators on their professional assessments, the claim, of in, uh, the claimed inability to recall the details of important conversations, the lack of evidence as to who was responsible for information that was included or withheld, and the inability to prove intent. I mean, it's just like, yeah, aggravating. Um, so they, they, I don't remember. There's the lack of evidence, and they, they don't have a paper trail. They, you can't prove intent. I mean, it's made it really next to impossible. All right, so then on page, okay, this is the recordings. Can you hold them to account on the recordings of George Papadopoulos? Basically the same thing. A negligence standard was insufficient to bring criminal charges against any FBI or department personnel. Same, same, same. Same, same. Okay, so then they're saying it's negligent, not is negligent, but not criminal. All right. Um, then they compartmentalized all this data. Very important. What, what, what? How they do it. Um, so then you would, you would, you would pass this say this person to do this work. Let's say an FBI agent, but they were not privy to certain information, and they're saying that they're doing this in order to protect the the different people involved. You know, but the problem is they didn't have all the information that they needed, especially the that what would uh, what would prove them innocent. Okay, and that's what they mean by compartmentalizing, using it to to prevent other well-meaning FBI people from getting the information they needed to to. Uh, Proof that this person was not uh, had not done anything wrong. Um, so imagine if you were any of these people, and you've got the FBI. They're bringing in all their all their evil tricks against you. So um, they were unable to establish that the confidential human source intentionally lied to the FBI. Of course. <laughs> then on the um, on the uh, certification of the FISA applications. The application does not cover the accuracy of the information. Get, did you hear that? The, it doesn't cover the accuracy of the information in the application. The certifications were met. What, it, what was required by the, F, by the FISA was met, and it's not required that it be accurate. <laughs> You're kidding me. That's the, that's the truth. That's the truth. Okay, so that ends that portion of the page and all that. Now we're going to start talking about that Alpha Bank and the Yoda phone. So this is kind of a, a separate deal. So they were one. They were going after Trump on 
uh, trying to get spy on him through Page and Papadopoulos and all that, and now and the, and the, the Pfizer warrants to spy on him. But then there's the other one, which is they're they're trying to go at him, saying that he had and uh, he was working with this Russian bank called Alpha Bank in order to do these secret communications, and he was using that Yoda phone I was showing you earlier so that he could listen in on something that um, that uh, you know uh, was going on at the White House, and and they don't have any of these allegations. Nothing held up on this either. All right. Uh, whether these individuals conspired with the Clinton campaign or to provide false or misleading information to law enforcement and the intelligence. So this is what he's examining. He examined, did they do any of this? Did they conspire with the Clinton campaign to provide false or misleading information to law enforcement and the intelligence agency? All right. This is on page 244. Um, So they... They, okay, this is where he talks about Michael Sussman. He's the one who worked with Perkins Coey. He was brought up and, and um, on these charges because he made false statements to the FBI. He's the guy who said, I'm coming to you because not, you know, I'm not working for anyone. I'm not working, no, I'm not working for Hillary Clinton. I'm just coming out of the goodness of my heart because Trump is working with the Russians through this bank, right? Um, and all these things have, pro- have proven to be false. And he, he they returned, uh, he lied to an FBI official. They returned a one-count indictment charging him with materially false statement to the FBI. He was coming on uh, because he was working for Hillary, okay? Sussman met with the, with the, uh, the counsel, uh, FBI General Counsel Baker. Uh, Sussman provided Baker with the data and the white papers that alleged allegedly demonstrated a covert communications channel between Trump Organization and Alpha Bank. Okay, so he's saying, look, they're they're talking behind the scenes, and he's working with the Russians through this Alpha Bank. Okay, um, so it was... Um, this, is, this is where it got into this Rodney Jaffe guy. Remember, I was showing you Rodney Jaffe. I'll show you that guy real quick again. This guy, that's the Sussman one. And then here is... That's the Yoda phone. And then here's the Rodney Jaffe guy. So he's the one who is trying to get President Trump on uh, on this uh, on this Alpha Bank. So now we're going to this whole big Alpha Bank baloney. It's a big it's a big bunch of baloney. All right. So um, instead, the office's investigation revealed that Sussman had assembled and conveyed the allegations to the FBI on behalf of two clients, Rodney Jaffe and the Clinton campaign. So he's working for Rodney Jaffe and the Clinton campaign to to push this to the FBI. So clearly, they, they, that's what they have determined, what, what um, Durham has determined. Second, the office's investigation uncovered evidence of numerous actions by individuals and entities with ties to the Clinton campaign to promote the, Al- the Alpha Bank allegations to the intelligence community and the government. So, not, so also like uh, the CIA and to the government. The office also uncovered evidence that the individuals and entities with ties to the Clinton campaign promoted allegations that Trump or his associates were using in the vicinity of the White House and other locations one or more telephones from the Russian mobile telephone provider Yodafone. Ultimately, though, the, the office concluded our evidence was not sufficient to obtain and sustain a criminal conviction. <laughs> oh, gosh. <sighs> 
The uh, office exam uh, also examined the FBI's actions in relation to the Alpha Bank and Yodafone allegations. In doing so, the investigation assessed whether any FBI or other federal employee conspired with others to promote the allegations in order to benefit the Clinton campaign in a manner that would, pr- would constitute a federal offense. But they did not find sufficient evidence that any FBI official or employee, let me see, that's on 244, knowingly or intentionally participated in a conspiracy with others to promote these allegations, to falsify government records, or to obstruct justice, or to cause the FBI to open an investigation into them as, such, as part of such a conspiracy. That sounds outrageous to me. That's how, it, it looks like to me that they would have plenty of, informa- uh, of evidence to show that they were trying to do this to get, you know, but you have to prove intent. You have to prove that they knowingly, that they didn't believe that this data was, uh, was accurate, that it was saying that Trump was, was involved in this. And I think that he was like, Sussman likely believed it. Because he does, he's not a computer person, probably, you know, a computer expert. So he thought that what they gave him was true. I, I, I'm guessing. They're like, we can't hold him to a, an account, except for the fact that he lied when he said he was not working for anyone. Sussman's attorney relationship, a client relationship with Clinton campaign and Joffe. So here's where he goes into um, the billing records from Perkins Coey. And so he's... He's not that smart. <laughs> Sussman is not that swift. And he actually put on the billing records that he was working for uh, charging Hillary for this discussion about these, this Alpha Bank uh, allegations. Look at this. Uh, in, in this section right here, the records reflect that Sussman repeatedly billed the Clinton campaign for his work on the Alpha Bank allegations. In compiling and disseminating these allegations, Sussman and Joffe also met and communicated with that Mark Elias. Remember I showed you that Mark Elias, ball guy? Another partner, Perkins Coey, who was then serving as a general counsel to the Clinton campaign. So he's got communications directly to her. So, but I, you know, it, it makes you wonder if, how much Sussman, if he was just a, a useful idiot. I don't know. Um, anyway, as set forth in this letter memorializing their engagement, um, the purpose was for confusion to support Perkins Coey's legal advice to clients on defamation, libel, and similar laws in which accuracy is an, is an essential legal element. In other words, they've, they've done this against uh, Hillary. We need to protect our client, Hillary Clinton, from all these mean things that they're doing to her. And so that's what our role is as her attorney, which that's a far stretch from where they're going out and making allegations against President Trump, but that's what they did. Um, Elias, Mark Elias, explained that Perkins Coey hired Fusion for research and investigative services to assist Elias and Perkins Coey in representing the Clinton campaign. Fusion provided research and other services that were used to, among other things, promote the Alpha Bank allegations to the media and to the FBI. Push all this out. Push. We're doing all this research, making all this stuff up, basically, and so that we can get this pushed out to the FBI and to the media. That is what they were getting paid for. That's how this works. And again, that's this is what has to change. You can't have it where you're making up stuff. They, they have to be held to an account, just like the, the media has to be held to an account. And the, and the Twitter and all these, if they knowingly have these things going on their platform or have these things, uh, uh, these lies, they're spreading these lies, and they, they knowingly are doing it, they have to be held to an account. And that's what, that's what we're up against is how do you prove that they, that they knew this was a lie. 
All right, um, the Alpha Bank allegations uh, that they push this out to the media, and then let me see if this make this bigger. The secret about the secret email server located in Pennsylvania was configured to allow email communications between Alpha Bank and the Trump Organization through a Tor exit node. As uh, and call it a Spectrum Health. Anyway, all this stuff that they deal with this, they, it all came to nothing. They've realized it was it came to nothing. Um, in connection with these efforts, Jaffe used his access to non-public or proprietary internet data. In other words, government data. He had people who were doing all these research and pulling all this data for him. Jaffe used this non-proprietary internet data. He enlisted the assistance of researchers in a U.S.-based university to gather all this data. Okay, and he they put it on two thumb drives. They took it, uh, marched it right over to the FBI, and that's where they got all this information from. And so the people at the top of the FBI are like, "Yeah, we got some some good stuff now." But it was it was first of all stolen information, and it didn't hold water. Okay, so um, but certain uh, it will please certain VIPs. Joffe Express stated in emails that per, the purpose of this effort was to cert, to please certain. VIPs, as in Hillary Clinton. If we can get some dirt on Trump, we're going to be, you know, in the good with Hillary. Apparently referring to Sussman, Elias, and the, and the Clinton campaign. That these people would be so happy if we could get some of this dirt. And to, they're looking at all these online in, uh, activities with Trump. This is illegal to do this spying. I would think that he would at least be able to say th that Joffe was, uh, did this crime because he was getting data that did not belong to him. He was using uh, government data. So... I mean, it's just, there's dirt on everybody's hands. Um, on page, let me see if I can get the page number, 248, it says the tech company employee could not recall conducting any searches of tech company's DNS. Um, they, they never asked Joffe about the purpose of the project or whether these searches were on behalf of a, of a political campaign. They didn't ask because they didn't want to know. You see that over and over and over. Don't ask, don't tell. And then... Um, it says they were researchers at the university who were assigned to a then-pending federal cybersecurity contract with DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. That's, that's how they had this data, because it, the university had this through, because DARPA had had them do, working on a research uh, uh, activity. And so that's how Jaffe was able to get access to this DARPA data. I mean, they have all this data, and he just needed to find a way to access it, and he did. Um, so they mined this internet data so they could conduct opposition research. How dirty is all of this, right? Um, Fusion GPS employees communicate with, the, with news reporters regarding the Alpha Bank allegations and urge them to publish the articles. They're pushing this out. Uh, the Fusion GPS is pushing this out to the mainstream media. And the Steel, uh, the Steel guy, whatever, uh, whatever his name is, Steele, he was asked, he was charged with making this into a white paper, all the all this research that they had, had compiled. He's putting it into a white paper so that they can march it right over to the FBI. Fusion personnel tasked Steele to research and produce intelligence reports about Alpha Bank, which he did. Then Steele also provided the substance of Alpha Bank allegations to the State Department personnel, as in Bruce Orr. So he's taken all this this Alpha Bank allegations over to them, and Sussman provided the Alpha Bank allegations to Eric Lick whatever Licht 
Blau, a reporter for the New York Times. So they're gathering all this stuff up. They're using data that they shouldn't get access to. They're 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 removing a lot of you know data, making it look like Trump was involved in something. Sending that out to the media, sending it out to um, to the State Department, sending it out to the FBI and the CIA. Uh, law firm records reflect that after providing the Alpha Bank allegations to the media, Elias appears to have communicated then to Hillary, to the Clinton campaign senior leadership. Um, oh, Jake, Jake, whatever his name is. And so they made this white paper. They solicited input on this white paper from the university researchers. And then it says uh, the university researcher too. Um, says that the data underlying the Alpha Bank allegations has been lawfully collected, thus reflecting Sussman's apparent knowledge concerning the data's origins. Why are you even saying that? Because it was collected. It was collected. That makes me wonder about Sussman. <laughs> Sussman may know more than he lets on. Anyway, um, the uh, the data the data that they had received through DARPA was because the university had access to it. Okay, that's on page 250. So, then on page 251, it says the, um, the use of the Internet data related to the Trump campaign uh, among, the, among the Internet data Joffe and his associates obtained was DNS Internet traffic pertaining to Spectrum Health, Trump Tower, Trump's Central Park West uh, apartment building, and the executive office of the president. So they are gathering all this information so that they can piece it together and say, oh, look, uh, Trump is, uh, one of his people is close to another person. That must mean that they're trying to spy on them. And so by inference, it, it says here later, it says, if Rodney can just take that inference we gain through this team exercise and cause someone to apply more useful tools of more powerful observation or study or questioning, then work to develop even an inference might be worthwhile. Oh, look, there must be, they must be doing something fishy because look, they're, you know, that, you know, they've got the same, they're doing this internet traffic and, you know, they're trying to make the data look like they're doing something uh, wrong because they're just trying to dig up dirt on Trump. Here's another one that says on page uh, two, uh, 252, it says, uh, the ability to provide evidence of anything that shows an attempt to behave badly would make the VIPs happy. Anything that would make that look like dirt on Trump, they will make them very, very happy. And look at this. They have they have put every every nickel, every amount of work that they possibly could, and they haven't found one bit of dirt on President Trump. How's that what does that tell you? Um so he says they give the base a very useful narrative. Later in the same email, Joffrey expressed his own belief the Trump email.com domain was a red herring. That the you know this the whole thing. Why would they, if they're trying to be secretive? Why would they use the name Trump emailcom <laughs> That that would be stupid. And their lies just never did hold up. Never did hold up. Um, for a moment, think of the best case scenario where scenario where we're able to show that the DNS communication exists between Trump and Russia. How do we plan to defend against the criticism? This is not spoofed traffic. We are observing. Even some of the people who are looking into this are like, this is, they're going to realize that this was all put together and this is a hoax and this is a, a, a hokey. The only thing that drives us at this point is that we don't like Trump. <laughs> That's what they were doing. That was on page 252. Then on page 253, um, we're having tunnel vision, duh. Uh, 
is this plausible? Some of the people were actually starting to think this is probably not going to hold water. They're, po- they're poking several holes, um, they, but they felt pressure to please Jaffe. And so then they, they end up, you know, because they're trying to please Jaffe, this is part of the culture that has to change, is that you can't be trying to force the information to, to, to be what uh, uh, this person wants that you're trying to please. To say a tour exit ex- is exclusively used by Alpha Bank goes too far. This tour traffic, just think of these, these gigantic servers and all this data going through it, and to say it's just being used by, utilized by uh, Alpha Bank, that's, that's, that goes too far. Then no one's going to buy that. Nobody in the in the world would buy that. You can poke too many holes into that. Um, so they did, but they didn't. But on the other hand, they didn't want to shoot down Jaffe. So it says on uh, uh, September sixteenth, twenty sixteen, Tech Company Two Executive Number One emailed the researchers discussing, among other things, the draft white paper's allegation that there was a Tor exit node at Spectrum Health that Alpha had used to communicate with the Trump organization. Um, the, the executive one continued that she had no reason to think that Alpha Bank has a VPN somehow through mail1.trump-email.com. That would suggest we're dealing with masterminds of the Internet. There's, there's like no way. No, there's just no way. Um, it would be, and I said it would be actually better if you would just do this um, without going through all this tour. It would be, because that makes it less... Uh, less secret, less um, ability to hide. For example, if you're going through and you've got millions and millions of emails, that's where it's more likely to be hidden rather than in, in these, uh, in this, something that was a, a custom data through one, through one a small channel. Um, no instances of IP addresses in the range of 163.73.xx assigned to, assigned to Spectrum Health were ever indexed to Tor exit nodes. They they were able to to immediately resolve that this was fake news, fake numbers, fake reports. That there was nothing to this between President Trump and the Alpha Bank just based on the IP address. So this that's what I was saying before, that, that Jaffe guy says he's a, he's a cybersecurity expert. Clearly he's not, because this was, this was cleared very, very quickly. The FBI experts advised that historical TOR data, uh, exit node data, conclusively disproves this white paper allegation in its entirety. <laughs> that's why you haven't really heard about the Alpha Bank stuff, because they, they ruled it out like, really, really quickly, even if it was true or indeed possible. Using the TOR network in the alleged manner would result in worse anonymization and security than simply using TOR in its default configuration. They explained that it would, be in, it would instead amount to, static or proxy, uh, to a static proxy with a known endpoint, allowing the identification uh, or the true source IP much more easily than using a randomly selected exit node. In other words, it makes them much more easily to, to, easy to find if they were doing something nefarious. If you're trying to do something nefarious, you want it just to be mixed in with everything else. So if you want to be invisible, that's not the way. That would not be the way to do it. But the bottom line is, based upon the IP addresses that they said Trump was using, none of it, none of it matched no instances of those IP addresses were were ever indexed to Tor exit nodes. So th- 
by default, it's disproven in its entirety. So yeah, not so much of an expert, Joffy. <laughs> not so much. I don't even know if Hillary understands that because she probably doesn't understand enough. You know, of course, poor thing, her brain is mush anyway at this point because of all that she's done, but I'm not going into all that. So now this is where they're trying to hold to an account Sussman for his lies to the FBI. This is his quote, I'm coming on my own, not behalf of any client. Uh, or company. I just want to help the Bureau. <laughs> okay, sure, sure. And so no one else was present. Baker explained that Sussman said during the meeting that he had information regarding a surreptitious communications channel. And Baker considered Sussman a friend and a colleague. He thought his statements were truthful. He brought him two thumb drives and some white papers and explained this covert channel. So he figured it was an, an urgent matter. And then the next thing you know, it comes out in the news. So it's even more urgent because they're pushing it out to the news. So Baker believed that Priestap and Anderson needed to be aware of this. So he, he you know made sure to let them know. That's on page 255. Here are their notes. Here are Priestap and uh, up the chain of command. You've got, you know, Baker was the was the legal counsel, and you've got Priestap and um, Anderson there up the chain. And so they had at that point were making these notes. And so later on, they realized, uh oh, we don't need to have all these notes. We need to just not because that's a, that's too much of a, a paper trail. We don't need to have that. It says that no specific client, uh, uh, but group of let me see. No specific client, but group of cyber academics talked with him about the research. So this is what clearly Sussman had told them, that he hadn't talked to any experts or anything about any of this, this, uh, this data that he was handing over to them. So that's when they, after that they said, okay, no more paperwork. But this, this right here proves what, what Sussman had said, which was a lie. Despite their notes, Priestep and uh, Anderson didn't remember. We don't recall. We don't recall any of that. Well, look at your notes. We, but we just don't recall, <laughs> right? That's always the way they do. When they're caught in a lie, all of a sudden, I don't recall. That just doesn't, rec I don't recall any of that. So then they sent this over to the Chicago field office. Maybe the Chicago field office can, can get busy on this and we'll keep away some of this, this data at the, at the, at the home office, the headquarters in Washington, D.C., so they won't know that we have, you know, maybe some, some evidence to, that shows that this is this Alpha Bank stuff is baloney, and we'll give just a smidgen of information to them to, at the Chicago, Chicago field office, and maybe they can get busy. Well, immediately they opened a full investigation, not just a preliminary, not just a looking into it, not just a partial investigation. They opened a full-blown investigation because that's what Comey wanted. Okay, remember Comey, right? So the people on the fifth, seventh floor, uh, to include director, are fired up about this server. They're fired up about it because they think they're going to be able to get uh, President Trump. Still, the team was uh, already skeptical of the allegations. Immediately, they're skeptical of it. But they figured they have to run it down. That's, that's their job. So, and so then they can put it out on the news. Oh, the FBI is looking into this. They're looking into it, and they're going to come up with something. You see how they do it on the news. That's what we've lived through all these years. They acknowledged there were certain errors in the documents. Even though they tried to keep some of this information from them, they, the, the headquarters tried to keep this information from them. The people in the Chicago field office already figured it out, that it was, it was, it was uh, poked holes in it. The FBI's general counsel... Um, 
Uh, they understood the allegations were presented to the FBI's general counsel, Baker, by an anonymous source. At that point, he was anonymous. Okay, so the, they were all holding a close hold on Sussman's identity as the source. Hang on real quick. All right. So they're all protecting Sussman because they know she, he's connected to the people connected to Hillary. Okay, they're all in this lockstep, all in this boat together. They're protecting Sussman's identity improperly to further the Alpha Bank allegations against Trump for political reasons or to mask his, his assessment's ties to the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign. This is on page 260. And then Baker says, oh, he didn't recall whether he refused to provide this to any FBI personnel, right? Of course. Cyber Agent 2 told the office that he and Cyber Agent 1 considered filing a whistleblower claim about Baker's failure to provide this information, but ultimately decided that they would not because the data provided was not formal evidence in a criminal, criminal proceeding. It's because it's just, but it's, but it's something that's out in front of our country. More than even important than a criminal proceeding is you're wrecking our whole country because of this Russia, Russia, Russia thing. Anyway, um, so then uh, they're all keeping all that uh, on the download. And because that's important information to know who, who gave this, inf- who, who, uh, who handed this information over to the FBI. Shouldn't be shouldn't be anonymous from the people who are doing the investigation. Um, so then, in early 2016, October 2016, an agent detailed to the National Computer Forensics and Training Alliance, Alliance uh, contacted the Cyber Division at FBI headquarters because he had received two IP addresses from an anonymous source who had requested the information be provided to the FBI. Turns out, I'll just give you spoiler alert, this is going to be Joffe. So they had sent them two IP addresses, okay? Joffe had done it. Uh, Chicago Agent 2 explained that the case team performed one open source checks on these two IP addresses that resulted in identifying one IP address associated with Alpha Bank and one associated with a home address, home address in Moscow. The office, uh, office investigation revealed that the anonymous source who provided the two IP addresses was Joffe. The most likely reason Joffe decided to provide the two IP addresses to the FBI via Cyber Agent 3 anonymously was to create the appearance of corroboration. Oh, well, we're getting this from this one person. Oh, now we're getting it from another person. It's all the same, same. It's all from Hillary, <laughs> okay? Um, yeah, Joffe decided to provide the Alpha Bank allegations and the two IP addresses to Cyber Agent 3 instead of his FBI handler. So he had an FBI handler, but he didn't want it to, he wanted it to be anonymous. It's all trying to show this corroboration. Uh, yeah, but it, it's just more of the way that they do things to lie. And then they started to realize all this story was falling apart. This Alpha Bank was falling apart. And so then it, they were trying to turn to tape it together and to get it to go, and it it just didn't. Nothing was holding holding up with this Alpha Bank thing. And so in January 2017, the FBI closed the Alpha Bank investigation. <laughs> like this thing was a nothing burger. This was a bunch of made up hoax from Hillary. So we can't move forward with this. They finally said this is not going to work. That was on page 263. The special counsel's investigation also uncovered numerous communications with Fusion GPS leadership and other personnel uh, uh, sought to discuss, advance, and disseminate the Alpha Bank allegations. 
So what are we going to do? What were they doing to promote this to the to the the mainstream media and to all that? So this is kind of a separate issue that they were doing that. Uh, apart from the uh, apart from the investigation, what was Fusion GPS doing to promote these allegations? They retained Steele. He drafted the white papers that Sussman provided to Baker. They um, they pushed this out to Reuters, and they uh, the they emailed the Fusion GPS co-founder Peter Fritch, uh, stating in part anything new, Ruski. Donald Wise, and he says, do the bleeping Alpha Bank secret comm story. So they're trying to push this out to Reuters. He says it's hugely important. And so he said, um, the guy said, the reporter replied that the issue was the inability of his cyber expert colleagues to confirm that the data was authentic. And the, the Fritch replied, it's everyone's problem. It's everyone's problem. In other words, are you, we've got to destroy Trump and we all, all hands on deck. If you have to lie, if you have to cheat, you have to steal, you have to make stuff up, whatever you have to do, this is all our problem. In other words, they all know that they have, uh, you know, taken a blood oath to do evil and they've got to, they've got to stand together or they're all, they got to hang together or they're going to all hang separately, basically. So they want Trump out. And then they went to Slate Magazine. Um, a few days later, Fritch forwarded, uh, to for a tweet stating the U.S. Senate Majority Leader had talked with national security officials who said that they possess explosive information about Trump ties to Russia, right? So this is all, we're getting this, all the, the daily diet of that. That's on page 264. Then on page 266, it says that um, Sussman's efforts to share the Alpha Bank allegations to the New York Times, <laughs> They send the email to Jake Sullivan, to Robbie Mook, to John Podesta, to Jennifer Palmieri, they, who, and he billed all of this as email correspondence regarding the Alpha Bank article. <laughs> There's just proof right there that the whole thing was connected. It's the, the, the billing records don't lie. And she paid it, right? Um, Clinton, the Clinton campaign posted a tweet then. Oh, look at this. We, we, before this, this was closed, before the, the Alpha Bank thing was closed, they said, oh, we've got all this information. It's coming out. Look at this. Computer scientists have apparently uncovered a covert server linking the Trump organization to a Russian-based bank. Okay, so then they felt like they, because it was going into, into Reuters, it was going out through this and that, that, uh, that and the other, and it was going, the FBI was doing an investigation. Therefore, they're saying, you know what? We can put this out as a tweet to push more dirt. It's, it's all just a bunch of ginning up this, these lies and pushing it out there to the public. During the Sussman trial, both Elias and Mook said the HFA campaign did not authorize Sussman to take the Alpha Bank allegations to the FBI. Mook likewise noted that he had discussed the allegations with Clinton, who approved the dissemination of them to the media. Mook, they, they've got just lines of separation. Maybe Hillary didn't do it, but the but the... Fusion GPS did, okay. So it's 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 the same, but it's different, okay. Mook testified that the campaign did so before questions and potential doubts about the accuracy and the reliability of the allegations had been resolved, and without knowing the exact origins of the data. Yeah, sure, sure. You knew you knew where it came from because your buddy Jaffe went over to the university, got the the data from the DARPA, 
and and you knew exactly where it came from. Okay, but yeah, so he's saying that Hillary doesn't trust the FBI. In other words, trust them to cover her behind. But they they did a pretty good job, in my opinion. Anyway, um, so then Sussman had gone to the CIA. He was like, I'm not getting anywhere with the FBI. We're not getting anywhere with the See, uh, with the State Department, let's go to the FBI. He says that they were, um, at first he was not able to secure a meeting with the CIA, but he wanted to go there because he felt like they had more ability to uh, to understand all this data. Yeah, the FBI completely understood the data. It was, it was hokey. <laughs> he said he didn't believe the FBI had the requisite resources to deal with the allegations. And so he, and he, um, retired CIA employee also called Sussman's statement that should the CIA not investigate, he would provide them to the New York Times. The CIA agent recalled that. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's got a good memory. This guy is like, Sussman said he was going to take him to the New York Times if we didn't do something about it. And a similar statement was made to Baker. He says, I'll take it to the, to the New York Times. So during the meeting, he provided the CIA with two thumb drives, four paper documents, and supporting these allegations. Um, do linkages exist to any Russian foreign intelligence service? Do linkages exist to Alpha Bank? Are the are the provided documents data uh, based upon source tools? And is it provided? Uh, hang on, that's on page two sixty nine. Is it provided the information technically conceivable? And the and the data they basically said no, none of that's true. It, there's it's none of it is conceivable. It is not a uh, uh, technically conceivable or any way conceivable there's no way there's any link there's no way there's any 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 way that any of this will hold up in at all it's neither technically plausible nor did they withstand technical scrutiny and furthermore that none of the materials showed any linkages between the trump campaign or trump organization and any foreign uh, Russian Foreign Intelligence Service or Alpha Bank. The report noted that one of the thumb drives even contained hidden data, which included Joffe's email <laughs> and an <and> address. <laughs> yeah, cybersecurity expert not. <laughs> Trying to cover up your name? Not good to have your name on the actual thumb drive. The, the deliberate effort to conceal this involvement of specified clients in this delivery of data and documents to the FBI. <laughs> Such evidence also further supports the inference that Sussman's false statements to two different agencies were not a mistake or misunderstanding, but a deliberate effort to conceal the involvement of specific clients in his delivery of data and documents to the FBI and CIA. He was intentionally trying to keep, keep their name out of it. So here he's being questioned because now he is being held. Uh, he's going to have to go to court and be held to an account on a, on a criminal indictment. So they're asking, so did your client direct you to have those conversations about the alpha allegations? He said, yes. Okay, your client also was witting of you going to, in February, to disclose this information to the FBI? He said, yes. Back to the FBI. You obviously had a conversation or you had a meeting at the FBI with Mr. Baker? Was there anybody else in the room? No. Okay, I want to ask you, as, so you mentioned the FBI directed you to have engagements with the FBI to disseminate the information. And so farther down, he says, um, it was done on behalf of my client, Hillary. 
So Sussman's congressional testimony concealed and obscured the origins and political nature of his work on the Alpha uh, uh, Bank allegations. Moreover, his testimony was misleading in that it conveyed the impression to Congress that Sussman's only client for the Alpha Bank allegations was Jaffe, when in fact he was billing the work to the Clinton campaign. That's on page 271. There you go. It was all going on. And this is in Durham's report. It was on uh, the, the billing work was to the Clinton campaign. He's saying it was Jaffe, but it was really to the Clinton campaign. It's all, that's where it, who paid the bill, who's getting the work done. So, um, it, she, he misled the, the FBI. He failed to disclose. Uh, in fact, he had draft, in fact, drafted one of the white papers that Sussman gave to the FBI. Sussman failed to mention that only, the only client billed for Sussman's pre-election work on those allegations was the Clinton campaign. There you go. That's proof right there. That was on two, page 272. So, then Perkins Coey's statements to the media. We know nothing. <laughs> no, we know nothing. Each of the Perkins Coey's uh, employees denied knowing Sussman had, in fact, billed all of his time related to the Alpha Bank allegations to the Clinton campaign. I don't know. You'll have to ask him. Ask her. Ask somebody else. They didn't know. All right, so then uh, then there's all these senators. Remember I was showing you the senators, Jack Reed and Mark Warner? They had to get involved. I, you know, we weren't talking about that. They have to break this down into, into all, because there's so many pieces, moving parts in this thing. So Jack Reed and Mark Warner are saying, oh, we need to do this investigation. We need to do this investigation on these uh, this Alpha Bank because there's something bad, fishy going on with these Alpha Bank, uh, uh, this data. So, okay. <laughs> The thing is, generally, the FBI does not do these things. In, to their in, to their credit, they don't they don't do investigations because a congressman told them to. Okay, that's what they were saying in here. A server belonging to the Trump organization was purposely communicating with servers belonging to a major Russian bank and Spectrum Health organization in Michigan. Um, so anyway, but they ended up not doing the investigation based upon what they these uh these congressmen were saying which was that's somehow that page didn't get in here but that's page if you want to go back and look that's on page two uh, probably on page 273 something like that yeah probably, probably that's on page 273 somehow it didn't make it in here <laughs> there's about a hundred pages on here anyway so the um hang on real quick all right. So now this is more about Jaffe and his role in trying to push out this, uh, the, the Alpha Bank and the Yoda phones and how he's connected to the Clinton campaign. That's what K is about. So we didn't identify establish, uh, evidence establishing that any such activities originated with Jaffe or related to the Alpha Bank uh, or Yodaphone allegations. Jaffe was not copied or addressed on these communications. The office did not identify evidence of his awareness of these discussions. We are also not aware of any evidence that the campaign or the DNC used his, this data to conduct opposition research. All right, so um, the office's investigation identified evidence that the Clinton campaign and the DNC maintained this uh, relationship with the tech company, that's Jaffe's company, and used or considered using his products and services at around the time Jaffe's efforts to promote the Alpha Bank and the allegations. But anyway, they did not find evidence, so they, again, they did not um, hold them to an account for this. The office did not identify any chargeable criminal conduct in this regard. 
it seems clear to me, but anyway, I guess what would hold up in court. All right, so then um, they were frustrated that the media reports uh, and, and the FBI was not getting on this and, and getting something done, and they're, they're co- they were frustrated with the media not covering it enough. And, we and truly, we haven't heard anything about the Alpha Bank. And it's because nobody could you know, give them anything that they, because everybody was skeptical about it. The team was skeptical of the Alpha Bank data and found no evidence of a secret channel of communications. But Research Executive One said it was something. <laughs> I think that's what, how they said it. Then they get involved with the Department of Homeland Security. They understood the ELP's computer network was run by the Department of Homeland Security, so they, which contracted out the services to an unknown vendor with access to the data that formed this formed the basis of the Yoda phone allegations. Of course, the DHS is not for security. It's for spying on all of us. But anyway, so they, they say, well, that's where we can get all this data. Then they brought in DARPA, which is the, um, uh, what would I say before? Defense something. <laughs> I don't know, something. Defense something, something, something. Is this it? No, that's not it. No, that's not it either. DNS record. Well, there it is. That's the Permanent Select Committee. Okay, Department, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Bottom line, they are research. They do a lot of research and basically have getting all this data and you know, using a lot of it against us and so, and against a political candidate, their political enemies. So, um, during at least one of these meetings, the participants discussed the Alpha Bank allegations, including the possibility that researchers under DARPA enhanced attribution program might assist the House Permanent Select Committee in investigating these allegations. The office considered whether these activities might be relevant to a prosecution of contract fraud or abuse of federal uh, government resources. That goes back to them also using this data from the university. Can we hold them to an account that they don't have, they shouldn't use government data that was intended to, to protect the American people and use it to, to go against their political enemies, okay? So but they're, they're trying to get DARPA involved in all this and their enhanced attribution, basically more of this ways to, to go against their, their uh, to find dirt on their political enemies. So the, then it brings in the, the shifty shift information. So, so they wanted to go into a secure place so they could talk about this and see if they could get, get some of this, uh, this DARPA information from through this university. So look at this, one, this paragraph right here. Okay, University Researcher th- uh, University 1, Researcher 3 said he responded by saying, I, mean, I guess I need to back up. The staffers asked them to read an article that said they wanted the University 1's help with the matter of get this alpha bank data and uh, so they could make this easier if they went through this university that had access to all this data. University One Researcher 3 said he responded by saying that it would be inappropriate for a public university to do that. He suggested they contact DARPA directly. Why are you going through us as a university? University One Researcher 3 told investigators that Reed Staffer then and that and then Reed Staffer said, "We are now in charge." And one of the HPSCI House Permanent Select Committee staffers said that their boss, Adam Schiff, 
would soon take over leadership of HPSCI. And so he took that as a mild threat. You better do this. You better do this because he's going to be in charge. And they could take away your ability to, to get this to get this data for the university. And immediately that researcher dragged university researcher two out of the meeting. They're like, okay, they knew immediately this this that, that meeting ended quick because I don't think probably researcher number two probably realized what, what actually was going on, that they were trying to use the university to uh, to get into some of this data that they had no right to, to use. And he told the guy, don't touch this. The researcher one told researcher two, don't touch this with a 10-foot pole. Stay away from this. Look at what they're doing, you know, to try to get all this data to 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 against Trump. I mean, it's just like unbelievable what they do. They feel they're lawless. They're the man of lawlessness. They're, this whole group is. So, okay, so here's another proof that all this data was baloney. The list track informed us that the IP address and domain used for the Trump organization were configured to only send outbound email. <laughs> they were saying, oh, the Trump has this email. Remember I saw it, trumpemail.whatever.com? The whole point of his email was to send out advertisements to send out information about their 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 properties not it has no inbound service at all it's not configured to do such at all trump server is actually a misnomer because uh servers involved did uh that servers involved did not belong to and were not controlled by the trump organization they didn't even control it. This was all done by this third-party organization that would send out these direct emails to people. The server that hosted the Trump organization housed hundreds of other clients. That Each server sent millions of emails out for their clients. The Trump organization didn't even have access to any of that. They maintained technical control over all their servers. The only way any alleged covert communications could have existed would be if ListTrack employees deliberately modified their mission critical servers with non-standard software or configurations. <laughs> they would not do that. They're not going to go blow up, basically. There's a whole system that they're doing. This is ridiculous. Listrack told us, yeah, so much for Joffe being a cybersecurity expert. Uh, Listrack told us that changing its servers to accommodate incoming messages would completely alter the core structure of its business operations. It would be impossible for it to have happened without their knowledge, for sure. Okay, so yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, so much for that. It's a significantly larger volume of DNS queries. So this is where he's trying to query this data, okay, from from uh, the people that he has access to at this university. He, the, the, these DNS queries for this mail1.trump-email.com domain, um, they included this into the thumb drives. Let's see, let me see if I can see the, they determined that there had been a substantial amount of email traffic from the IP address that resulted in significantly larger volume of DNS queries than what Jaffe had had captured. So again, he was taking this data and he was manipulating it to make it look like Trump was involved with the Russians. Okay. All right. So then, let's see, on page 285, um, there were 134,142 email messages sent between August of 2016, and the majority sent on May 24th and June 3rd, uh, 23rd. The recipients, including a wide range of commercial e email services, including Google and Yahoo, as well as co uh, corporate email accounts. So it was a huge amount of data, not just this small portion that they had skewed and made it look uh, 
it was very skewed. The DNS data that Joppy and his cybersecurity uh, researchers, researchers compiled and that Sussman passed on to the FBI was significantly incomplete. It included no A record host name to IP address. Remember I was saying about the, ho- the uh, A records. It did not have the bulk of the data. And so they were intentionally, look at this one right here, intentionally filtering the data. After they were after they had done the retrieval, they had intentionally uh, filtered it. The FBI experts assisting the uh, as noted, the Tor publishes a comprehensive list of exit nodes, no instances of IP addresses in the range of one six seven point seven three ever were indexed to Tor in, index nodes. So case closed. It's it's baloney. But this is just showing you what they had what they had done. So it disproves it entirely. The FBI experts who examined the issue for us stated this historical tour data node exclusively disproves this white paper's allegation in its entirety. It would be worse anonymization and security than simply using Tor in its default organ, uh, configuration. It be more easily traced with traffic to the relatively small number of guard nodes. If you were going to do it the way that Joffe said that they supposedly were doing it. Um, they made a secret communication channel would be much easier to find, not harder. We're also tasked with the um, we also tasked the same FBI experts to review the white paper on the Yoda phone. They said the resolution requests for these domains were not at all rare from the U.S.-based IP addresses. Not rare at all. This is on page two eighty six. And that all their data was skewed. It was deliberately filtered to, to select only those organizations in the United States with ties to Trump. In sum, as a result of our investigation, the FBI re- experts advised us that actual data and information on Yoda phone resolution requests directly undermined or refuted several conclusions and inferences included in the Yoda phone white paper. So now he's going to say, okay, after we've looked into all this, we've looked into the Alpha Bank, we've looked into the, into the Yoda phone, and we see that the whole thing was was made up and and it didn't hold water. Now, are we going to prosecute them? (laughs) We're going to hear the same thing again, you guys. um, In particular, the investigation examined whether these these individuals and entities either on their own provided or conspired with others to provide false, misleading information to the intelligence community. First, we already checked out Sussman. The jury acquitted Sussman. They didn't establish that any such actions were taken. Evidence gathering in these investigations did not establish any such actions were take, to be taken. Second, the evidence was not sufficient, was not admissible. <laughs> same, same, same. We examined the actions and, and conduct of Sussman in, in regards to the Alpha Bank and the Yoda phone. The evidence was not sufficient, it was not admissible, that they acted willfully. With the knowledge of the illegality, he says we obtained. We had this is on page two eighty seven. It's aggravating <laughs> that they did. They faced significant obstacles getting this evidence because of many of the individuals involved invoked multiple privileges, including attorney-client privilege and Fifth Amendment privileges. He's having an impossible time getting down to the bottom of this. Third, they examined the FBI's response, but many of them declined to be interviewed. Finally, we considered the conduct of third parties, but we didn't charge any of the individuals with knowingly providing false information to the the government in connection with the Alpha Bank or Yoda phone allegations. So, 
now he's going into the, the uh, observations. He says the FBI is seriously, seriously deficient. Yeah, didn't take a rocket scientist to see that. That said, the objective facts show that the FBI's handling of important aspects of the crossfire hurricane matter were seriously deficient. Some FBI employees were, who were interviewed by our investigators advised they had significant reservations about the uh, crossfire hurricane and tried to convey their misgivings, but they did not. Uh, others had doubts, but they didn't voice their concerns. In some cases, nothing was said because of the sense that there was that there had to be more compelling information in the possession of those closest to the decision-making center of the case than that had been made known to them. Again, with this compartmentalization, they were only given a certain amount of information. They figured that someone at the top had more data. Okay? So that is a big part of the problem. He says the FBI failed uh, badly, underperformed, and failed. This is on page 288. FBI badly performed and failed. The Crossfire Hurricane actors faithfully followed their own principles regarding objective if they had followed their principles regarding objectivity and, and integrity, there were clear opportunities to have, been, to have avoided this mistakes. Okay? In 2020, they have created another board. They've created another board called the Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board to protect against just this very thing happening to someone, protecting their privacy and civil liberties. Whenever they get caught doing something, they create another board, they create another whatever, and it basically turns out to be the opposite of what it's called, right? Following the OIG's review and audit, both the Attorney General and the FISA court directed a number of changes to be made. Outside, the commentators have also recommended numerous changes. In the FISA reform, proposals put forth by various individuals, uh, individuals and groups, there is division between those that would make all or many FISA surveillances more difficult or prohibit certain types of surveillance altogether. In other words, should we stop doing FISA, uh, getting, getting FISA surveillance? That's, some people say that they should, okay? Prohibit them altogether or just make them more difficult? You can put in the comments what you think. You know, what should we do? The number of FISA court uh, orders using certain FISA authorities reportedly has declined sharply from 1,184 to now 430 over a four-year period. So, but the thing is, if they're, if they're going after their political enemy, then they don't mind using it, especially because they got away with it this time, it appears, so far. So then he brings in this very interesting case about Robert Hansen the most damaging spy in FBI history. This happened about 20 years ago because he was sending data over to the KGB and they're saying he, he was, the, basically the same things that allowed him to do that have allowed the FBI to do this very same thing now. Okay? All right. So again, he goes back into the systemic problem and how to solve it. Supervisors must guard against excessively deferring to line personnel and must ensure that the department is properly briefed on the strengths and weaknesses of potential espionage prosecutions. A more cooperative relationship between the CDD and the OIG explained later will make it more likely that cases, uh, case agents' analytical and investigative judgments in counter-espionage cases will be adequately scrutinized. And I really do think that that is a big part of it, is to get someone who will scrutinize all these things so, so that this doesn't happen. But the problem is, how do you prevent someone, them from being part of the, part of the whole problem? 
another another part of the problem that just rubber stamps stuff and it, and it goes on. Um, other recommendations similarly concerned greater involvement from for department attorneys, including a larger oversight role in ensuring the accuracy and fairness of factual as- assertions in FISA applications. Getting this FISA's accurate. Remember I was saying before that the FISA was not accurate, but that wasn't required. It just, it just checked off all the boxes, whatever. Direct access to the case agent and the source information relied on this application. So then he says, um, it's widely accepted through open source reporting at the time that Russia was to blame. So they, because everybody believed that this Russia was to blame, then it was just, it was pervasive through the FBI. This must be the case. Trump must be involved with Russia. Okay, so this, it, because it was just a, everybody, this group think was going on. Um, the FBI then appears to have formulated the, pro, the hypothesis that the Trump campaign or someone associated with it was working with the Russians. Neither the Crossfire Hurricane opening EC nor those responsible for the investigation, however, appear to have recognized the crucial need to analyze and then assess the actual ambiguities in the full investigation. And it was clear as you and I have seen, they should be able to see it. But they, for one reason or another, didn't or wouldn't or couldn't. Um, but years, not, not before it has been continuously adopted by the FBI as supportive of its underlying theory regarding collusion that has pervaded our culture, our, our country, for years through the mainstream media, all this false information. You know, they say, oh, well, we're just doing our investigation. We're taking the time that we need to take because it's our, it, that's our job. But it's caused untold damage to our country. The intelligence community's uh, standards say that analysts must perform their functions with objectivity, employ reasoning techniques. It appears that they have failed miserably. The SS. CI Russia report observed that the FBI analysts should endeavor to check the assumptions underpinning FBI invest operations to apply the rigor of intelligence analysis to assessments and uh, to create and the confidential human sources and to create a culture where questioning previously held assumptions is acceptable and encouraged. The office concurs with this recommendation. There should be questioning that goes on, but they didn't. They all just marched in lockstep. The, um, but the OIG's review and this re- this review highlight the omissions, the errors, the misstatements by the FBI personnel, including the withholding of significant exculpatory statements that should not have occurred had they considered and treated the lawyers as full partners. Rather, they the crossfire hurricane reflects a struggle to by the OI to obtain straightforward answers and steals possible bias and leaks to the media and Page's relationship with another. A government agency. They couldn't get straight answers on any of that. It's clear when he was doing the investigation that they were not passing that information along to to the people who needed to know that so that they could, they're hiding important information. In other words, they weren't told the significant differences between the steel reports and the statements Danchenko made to the FBI. They weren't told any of that. All right, so um, that, that those are things that need to be changed. That's the whole point that he's bringing this down. This is way back in page 293. There's only like, you know, six more, 10 more pages of this thing. And he's saying, what can be changed to, to do this, to, to get this where it's, uh, uh, we don't have to just throw the entire FBI out. Um, 
Here's the FBI investigations. He says the attorney general has since addressed this issue as a as in a desirable, though slightly different way, that the attorney general must approve any investigation of a senior presidential campaign staff member or advisor before they before they go into this uh, this FBI investigation. It has to be approved by the attorney general. But again, that goes back to is the attorney general any good? Or is he just part of the same, just like with Merrick Garland? You're going to trust Merrick Garland to do it? Then you can't go on a fishing expedition, the predication of the crossfire hurricane, to go all immediately to a full investigation was not supposedly typical. They should have done a preliminary investigation before they just had this full-blown, full investigation. Um, as described in Section 3, the standard of opening a full investigation is an articulable, factual basis for the investigation that reasonably indicates activity cons constituting a federal crime or threat of national security is or may be uh, occurring. You can't start a full investigation until you have this where you can articulate it. An articula articulable, is that how you say it? Factual basis for that. The, um, then he says, the, uh, it says here, the OIG review found that the FBI met the requirements because the articulable factual basis standard is a low one. It's low, and the information from Australia, at least when considered, met that standard. We're not confident, however, that this is the case. The, the, Durham is not convinced that's the case. Who says that this standard was met? that this was a basis for a criminal, you know, a, 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 a national security risk. From everything that Durham re researched over four years, he says he, did, he doesn't believe that it was, that they had sufficient evidence to start a full investigation. He says it, it was an uh, investigation as thin. Even, even uh, Special Agent 1 described it as thin. Um, even Strzok said there's nothing to this. Even Peter Strzok Right? Uh, so his view would seem to dictate uh, the opening of this matter as an assessment or a preliminary investigation at most, not a full investigation. Then he says the least intrusive collection techniques feasible. Don't start out with we're going we're gonna to spy on this person and three people deep. Start out with the least intrusive collection of data where it's feasible especially when someone's First Amendment rights are at stake. The FBI must apply the best judgment, uh, the best judgment, careful evaluation. And uh, there must be one or more of these following simple, uh, sensible steps, at least the least intrusive standard, uh, uh, also a time limit. There must be time limits on these things, a narrow range, and only escalated by converting to a full investigation. Don't just have this thing go on and on and on and on, especially where it affects our country, our entire country. And yes, so individual cases, but yeah, least intrusive and least amount of time that is to, <laughs> for destroying a country. Um, 
and also that compartmentalization where they lacked sharing. They didn't, they didn't share this information with the other people. That has to, they're saying that they're protecting headquarters, but they weren't really because the people didn't have the information that they needed. The FBI agents didn't have what they needed to pursue, to, to properly investigate the case. Um, then they had these defensive briefings where they are defense, giving the defensive briefings to Hillary, but not to Trump. And there's no explanation for the inconsistency. Why didn't they do that? And now they have another board, the FI. DBB board, whatever, is supposed to address this and the procedures and the requirements to make sure that, that there's defensive briefings for both uh, uh, presidential candidates. Do you guys think that's going to help? <laughs> whatever. Anyway, the, uh, FISA issues. Uh, this is about the making sure that the FISA, if you do do a FISA, um, uh, you have to make sure that it is clear, it has all the data, all the information, and that's it has to show probable cause, clear evidence of probable cause, and clarity. It has to be um, clarity, and the organization of these uh, of these reports must be improved. Okay, um, and why the surveillance is necessary? What facts are essential to probable cause? Okay, not just a bunch of words, but give us the facts. Give us the straight facts on this. The, and then the transparency of the sourcing. Are you using some known liar for this stuff? And the subsourcing. And no more exagger, uh, exaggerations and, and political bias. And it must be transparent as possible. Because these people, it's going to a judge who is who is a, uh, you know, he's got a, he's got a security clearance. It's not like you're telling the whole world. Um, information cannot be have a political bias, okay? The, especially if it's coming from from Congress, he says would rarely seem relevant to a discussion. This is what I was looking for earlier. Um, that the member of Congress is concerned about the activities of a political opponent um, would rarely seem relevant to a discussion in probable cause. Yeah, this person Sussman is going against their political enemy. No, that this is not this does not mean probable cause. This probably means a witch hunt, unless the member provides specific, credible information. Okay, they must have uh, uh, masking. You don't unmask unless you've got a probable uh, probable cause. Um, also, don't use news reports. <laughs> that can't affect affect you at all. You can't even you know avoid using them at all in a FISA report. To, to get the approval to to spy on someone, um, the need to imp uh, to share important information. In January 2017, the FBI interviewed Igor Danchenko, Steele's primary subsource. He said Danchenko said the Steele Steele misstated or exaggerated the subsource's statements in multiple sections of the report. Uh, they were not present at the interview, so they didn't know any of this information that it was had been misstated. Okay. Uh, so they, the, the people in the know need to be in the know. The ones who are responsible need to have this information about uh, these sources and the subsources. And you have to have completeness of the applications, especially where it re determines, uh, cuts across probable cause. If someone, especially if someone has, has information that they did, that exculpates them, that they that they did not do anything wrong, then that has to be in the FISA application. It has to be in there, and it has to be, has to be complete. Here he's saying that a good idea is to put the uh, FBI is aware of particular kinds of derogatory information about the target. Uh, they, they have to put questions 
um, let me see if I can move me. Yes or no questions on the, on the application. This is his idea. One possible way is to implement a new requirement, at least in part, making maybe by asking on the FISA uh, form or elsewhere if the, FI, if the FBI is aware of a particular kind of derogatory information about the target. Yes or no. Has this person give, given any evidence that they are not guilty? Yes or no. And if, like I was saying before, if they say no, then, then you have to throw, then th that, that goes into your bearing on whether you approve this FISA application. Okay, reliance on prior app FISA applications. Just because you've done a, you've approved them, uh, FISA application once, twice, three times, that doesn't mean that you, that you can, you just look at it as if it's a new application each time. They've placed too much reliance on prior authorization. They should do this thing called red teaming. That's why I was bringing this up earlier. This red teaming is where a group pretends to be an enemy and they attempt a physical or digital intrusion against an organization at the direct direction of that organization and then they report back so they can improve their defenses. So in other words, red teaming is going to be where they they attack this this FISA application so that they would see does it have any holes in it that it's not fair to another person. So trying to look at this thing in a in a in a way that is fair for every for the people involved. Okay. So in cases especially in cases of partisan risk might help here. Also, he says the timely renewal request of, of requests. Instead of saying, we're going to go there, it's 10 days before this is expiring, give us more time, say, we've got 45 days and we think we're going to need to renew this. And then it gives more time to scrutinize. This is one of the big things he was saying earlier, is we've got to be able to scrutinize all this. Uh, and then also, when you've got political bias or improper motivation, that has to come into it to, to say there, there's they need to know about this on the FISA application that there's a political bias uh, of potential misconduct in here um, and, and a confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is widely understood as a phenomenon describing how information is processed by individuals and groups. When everybody else, you feel like everybody else believes something, then you join the crowd. It stands for a general proposition. There's a common human tendency, mostly in unintentional, for people to accept information and evidence that is consistent with what they already believe to be true. That confirmation bias can be amplified in groups operating in situations of high stress and under time pressures. And their boss is saying, we need you to get this done. And so they're like, we've got to all get this, get pushed to push this out that the President Trump is, is a Russian agent, that type of thing. And that's exactly what happened. They're all in this uh, attitude of get Trump bias, express their disdain for Trump. They, they said they wanted to open an investigation on Trump, that they would prevent Trump from becoming president. This is all seriously, seriously flawed. And so here is a list of all the fails. The Australian diplomats told Crossfire Hurricane investigators Papadopoulos never stated he had direct contact with the Russians. Number one, there was complete lack of information from the intelligence community that corroborated the hypothesis on which the Crossfire Hurricane investigation was predicated. Number three, the FBI generally ignored the significant exculpatory information provided by Carter Page and Papadopoulos and the senior Trump advisor, uh, foreign advisory uh, advisor during the recorded conversations. Number four, the FBI failed to pursue investigative leads that were inconsistent with their theory. 
Number five, the FBI failed to take Page up on the written offer he made to Comey to be interviewed about the allegations contained in the Yahoo article. Number five, number six, the FBI was willing to make use of the completely unvetted or uncorroborated Steele dossier in multiple FISA applications targeting a U.S. citizen, even after the Crossfire Hurricane investigators had determined there were major conflicts between the Steele reporting and his primary subsource, Igor Tenchenko. They incredibly failed to resolve. Number seven, the Crossfire Hurricane investigators didn't even ask Steele about his role in providing this information to Michael Isakoff in the, in the Yahoo article, information that accused Carter Page of colluding with the Russians. Number eight, the FBI ignored the fact that at no time during uh, or after the Crossfire Hurricane uh, were investigators able to corroborate a single substantive allegation in the Steele dossier. <laughs> I think that would be important for them to know on the FISA application that they haven't been able to uh, corroborate even one substantive allegation. Number nine, there was complete failure on the part of the FBI to even examine, never mind resolve, the serious counter-espionage issues surrounding Steele's primary subsource, Igor Danchenko. We know he was a liar and likely a potential Russian, a- Russian agent himself. Number 10, the FBI leadership essentially disregarded the Clinton plan intelligence which it received at almost the exact same time as the Australian Page 5 information. This was despite the fact that at precisely the same time as the Clinton plan uh, was received, the Clinton campaign made the public statement to the, about the DNC computer hack to Russian, uh, to Russian attempts to help Trump get elected. And the FBI was receiving the Clinton campaign-funded steel reports, and the Clinton campaign-funded Alpha Bank allegations were being prepared for delivery to the media and the FBI. This is all part of the Clinton plan. How could they just all go in lockstep with the Clinton plan? How could they do that? The uh, number, whatever, 12, the uh, Crossfire Hurricane investigators essentially ignored information that had they had received as early as October 2016 regarding Charles Dolan, a longtime Democrat operative with ties to the Clintons. They ignored that. Number 13, the Crossfire Hurricane investigators provided only partial and in some instances misleading information to the department attorneys working on the FISA applications. This is all all their failures, at least some of them, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them, Two, there were 209 errors in the applications. A total of 29 applications, 209 errors, four of which were material in all their applications. But then it says, nonetheless, at, on the surface, the difference is notable. In four page applications, there were a total of 17 material errors and omissions. 17 errors, 17 material errors. I'm sorry, it's 17 errors, four that were material. Um, and given the foregoing and viewing the facts in light of most favorable to the crossfire hurricane investigators, it seems highly likely that at a minimum, confirmation bias played a significant role in the FBI's acceptance of extraordinary serious allegations derived from uncorroborated information that had not been subjected to the typical exacting analysis employed by the FBI and other members of the intelligence community. This is where he's doing the tongue lashing. You people did confirmation bias. You were out to get Trump. You were out to get him. And that's what you were going to do. And, and you, you forgot all the, the training, all the things that you're supposed to do, the, all the analysis that you're supposed to do. You, you threw that completely out the window. Similarly, the FBI 
uh, report says the investigators repeatedly ignored or explained away evidence contrary to the theory that Trump campaign has conspired with Russia. It appeared that this there was a pattern of assuming nefarious intent. They assumed that Trump was doing something wrong. It reflects on whether the FBI was being manipulated for political purposes. Did they wonder if they were being manipulated? The last page of this FISA report, of this, uh, I'm sorry, of the, of the FISA, of the Durham report, possible FBI reform. One possible way to provide additional scrutiny of politically sensitive investigations would be to identify in advance an official who is responsible for challenging the steps taken in the investigation. Stuart Baker proposes having a career position for a nonpartisan FBI agent or lawyer to challenge the, FBI, the FISA application and every other stage of the investigation. Can you find such a person? Would that person just be sucked in to this vortex? This would be done in the investigations that pose partisan risk. In Baker's view, the Attorney General, through the Supplemental Reforms Memorandum, has already taken a good step in this direction by requiring that politically sensitive surveillance and search applications be reviewed by a special agent from a field office not involved in the investigation. I'm a little bit skeptical. How about you? Um, similarly, Adam Klein said that DOJ and FBI leaders should consider whether a regular regularized practice of internal red teaming, remember I was talking about red teaming, where they try, they go against each other to poke holes in something. In most sensitive cases, whether within the FBI or in a collaboration with attorneys at the NSD, should serve as an effective check on confirmation bias without unduly delaying time-sensitive applications. As a way to ensure full consideration of the issues and applications that may present very difficult and vitally important issues, we recommend the department seriously consider Baker's proposal for an official to challenge both the politically sensitive FISA application and other stages of the investigation. That's, I guess that's, in a nutshell, that's what he's recommending, is to take this, have someone who will scrutinize this, red team this, before you do this, it turns out like this, where, where people are treated horribly and no one's held to an account. Nothing, former Attorney General Le Le Levy warned, can be can more weaken the quality of life or more imperil the realization of the goals we all hold dear, dear than our failure to make clear by words and deed that our law is not the instrument of partisan purpose. Did you catch that? Our, it, it, it destroys our way of life, our freedoms, if our law is for partisanship. That's what he's saying. Nothing can more weaken the quality of life or more imperil the realization of the goals we all hold dear than our failure to make clear by words and deed that our law is not the instrument of partisan purpose. That's the last sentence he has in this Durham report. And that's because what he believes is happening in this, this whole investigation proves that that's what they've done, is they've used the law for partisan purpose. All right, that is the Durham. I can't even believe we got through it. <laughs> this was a this was a uh, challenge, wasn't it? We got it. We did it. If you haven't looked back, go back to Durham one, uh, Durham for Dummies one, two, three, and four. And now we'll understand more when Durham comes out to the uh, to the to Congress and has asked these questions. We're going to have a better understanding of what's happening and what what. Uh, uh, what, what questions are being asked and what how it's going to make sense. I hope we do. 
You know what? I'll do a video on Durham's um, uh, discussion at uh, question and answer session in Congress, and we'll see how this all plays together and what, what questions they ask, what questions he answers, how he answers them, and how we go forward from here. All right, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that we have this, this report so that we can dig in here. Thank you for the strength to, and the brain power to figure this out and to understand it. And, uh, and uh, just, Lord, we just, at first, number one, we ask you to guide us. Lord, please guide us on how we can get our country where the law is not used for partisan purpose and that this can never happen again. As President Trump has said many times, this can never, never happen again to anyone, much less to a political, uh, 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 someone running for political office. Uh, just help us, Lord, so that people, we know in our country that we can run for political office and we're not going to be uh, lambasted and, and put through all of this. Uh, Lord, we need good people in these positions who will look at these things objectively and uh, who will scrutinize these things and not do this for uh, a political witch hunt. Lord, just guide us, protect us, show us the way. Show us the way. Uh, give us wise people in these positions who can help us to 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 uh, to to do all this. Thank you for our wonderful President Trump and and uh, just guide him and all these others who are who are trying to make sure that this never 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 happens again. And we pray all this in your wonderful name, King Jesus. And we were looking forward to your kingdom coming here. Will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray it in your great name, Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. I'm wore out. <laughs> I will talk to you guys later. Oh, I didn't tell you. I love you guys. I always tell you that before I end. I love you guys, and I will talk to you later.